0: We're taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swing on the way. It's gone! It has its well with my stolen Montgomery!
1: Georgia Southern wins! Alright, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. And on today's episode, we got Mike Anthony joining us as always from the Statesboro Herald. He'll join to discuss the biggest moments, biggest players, biggest plays from a gigantic 38-10 to 10 stomping of Georgia State that Georgia Southern handed uh, the rival Panthers on Saturday to close out the regular season. Uh, Mike and I will also be touching on some talking points like potential bowl games for Georgia Southern, uh, and then we'll kind of touch on an overview of the Georgia Southern regular season, what it means, um, how we envision that we'll view this season. Uh, looking back at it, you know, as compared to maybe as compared to Lunsford's first season of 2018, when the Eagles were 10 and 3. So Georgia Southern does finish the season 7 and 5, 5 and 3 in the Sun Belt, um, second place in the Sun Belt. So I guess you could look at that, you know, as an improvement from finishing in third in the East last season. A couple of notes for you guys before we bring Mike on. Uh, Here are some upcoming dates that you should probably uh, be aware of. December 7th are the conference championship games uh, across the country. Then December 8th, uh, so Sunday, uh, that's when we'll learn officially of the bowl destination and bowl opponent for Georgia Southern. Uh, Ten days after that, December 18th is early signing day. Mike and I's favorite time of year when we get to uh, guess at a lot of these recruits and at a lot of these at a lot of the uh, impacts that these recruits will make. Some of them fly under the radar and end up being, you know, household names, so to speak, for Georgia Southern. Some of them come in highly regarded uh, and then kind of fizzle out and never do much. But you know that's part of it, I guess. Uh, December twenty-first is the first trio of Sunbelt bowl games. There's five of those, five Sunbelt-eligible teams. Uh, Cure Bowl on December 21st, 2.30 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Camellia Bowl at 5.30 on the Mothership. Uh, and then the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, which I uh, imagine will be App State, but if not App State, that'll be Louisiana. Um, that'll be at 9 Eastern time on December 21st. December 31st is the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl at 4.30 Eastern on CBS Sports Network, and then January 6th is the Mobile Alabama Bowl. It has a sponsor now. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but... Lending tree. Lending tree. there you go. Hey, Mike, good to have you.
0: What's up? Just trying to help.
1: <laughs> uh, so January 6th, 730, uh, Mobile Alabama Bowl. So um, the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl and the Cure Bowl will be on CBS Sports Network. The other three on ESPN. Mike, do you you envision uh, Georgia Southern's bowl destination as being, uh, you know, good no matter what? Or is there a place that Georgia Southern gets selected and we don't even, you know, and, and we're not celebrating it if you're Georgia Southern fans?
0: Well, I think that, you know, obviously uh, uh, Arizona's the outlier. There's a lot of diehard Georgia Southern fans that just don't have the means to, to get out to Arizona, especially the time of year that it falls on, you know, everybody's used up all their vacation days for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you're about to have to go back to work. I don't think uh, too many people have it in them to make what's got to be a plane, plane trip. You can't really drive to Tucson and back. Uh, So obviously that's not the one they want to see come up, but I think they've got a pretty good chance of going to uh, one of the others. Uh, Obviously the new Orleans bowl is going to be for the winner of the, uh, app state louisiana championship game coming up this weekend i have not seen maybe you have but as of this afternoon i hadn't seen anything uh from the Sun Belt like last year where they designated uh, a landing spot for the runner up in the game as well it was the cure Bowl last year haven't seen anything uh set in stone for this season but pretty much everything i've heard is saying that uh the loser of the app state louisiana game is probably going to end up in mobile So that would leave, I guess, uh, Montgomery and uh, Arizona and Orlando. And, you know, obviously Montgomery, everybody had a good time there last year. I don't think that it would be too much of a stretch to envision Georgia Southern showing out there again with a good uh, uh, team showing and a good fan showing. And then Orlando, I'm sure that would be just as uh, good for everybody, too. A little bit closer even for everybody down South Georgia way. And then a new destination, which is always good for a team to – To get some fans out that haven't been to a bowl game before.
1: Yeah, and we were gonna—I was gonna wait till later in the episode, Mike, to start talking about the bowl games, but uh, forget that. Let's just talk about them now. What I think about is kind of an opportunity to showcase your school, and I know you touched on this Saturday uh, after the game in the press conference with Lunsford. um, Kind of what you were getting at in the question was it is an opportunity, and that's a great word for it—to showcase your school. I just think if you're going at, you know. Put everything else aside, uh, the bowl experience, the fan experience, all that stuff, and that stuff matters. It matters, but for the program in general, I mean, how 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 vital is it to go showcase your small, you know, Southeast Georgia school in Tucson? N- you know, not a lot of recruits gonna be in that area for Georgia Southern in the Tucson area. Um, however, in Orlando. Uh, I mean, you're talking about besides Georgia, I would say that that central Florida, North, North Florida, um, kind of corridor is where Georgia Southern historically has gotten many, many, many studs, uh, as far as high school players committing to play for them. So I think going to Orlando, um, Mike would be really beneficial as far as that showcasing aspect. Um, I liked Montgomery. I was fine with Montgomery. I I just don't think the players necessarily want to go back there. Um, I do think that uh, the fans had a good time from everything I've uh, heard and seen, from everything I saw when we were in Montgomery last year. It certainly looked like there was no shortage of fun. Um, But, you know, I just think that, Mike, and I'll let you touch on this, I, I think it would be Orlando, that Cure Bowl spot, which is kind of starting to feel a little less likely than it did a week ago. Um, I I think that going to Orlando would allow them that opportunity uh, to showcase it. What say you?
0: Well, I think that, you know, from what you said about uh, attracting eyes of, you know, middle school and high school players who might want to uh, uh, come to Georgia Southern someday. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, It's closer to Georgia Southern's campus than any of these other bowls. As you said, Georgia Southern's got a a very good – track record of rating Northern and middle Florida for uh, a talent that goes on to shine for the Eagles. So yeah, you know, it'd be nice to have Georgia Southern in their backyard, you know, making a name for themselves. But I think that aside from that, you know, the promotion of the school goes beyond just bringing in the next players and they can, they can accomplish that no matter where they go, even if it's all the way out in Arizona. Uh, Cause not only is it going to be guys like you and me covering the team for an extra a couple of weeks able to get more stories out there but you know when fans travel out there I, I don't know what you saw last year in uh, Montgomery I know what I saw there I know what I saw in Mobile uh, three years ago or four years ago you know the the locals they kind of get to know you too and you can create you know a lasting image a, a lasting imprint whether it's good or bad of your team and its fans and I, I can tell you right now there's a bunch of people in Mobile from a few trips in the regular season to play South Alabama and that uh, uh, first-ever bowl game for Georgia Southern back in 2015, they might not be diehard Georgia uh, uh, college football fans, but they know who Georgia Southern is. They like to see Georgia Southern come into town. It's a fun time. Maybe they gained a casual fan or two, and that's kind of what this is all about. Not only are you and I going to be writing about the team and getting it out there into the uh, public eye for another couple of weeks, but all these bowl committees, they have their own – public relations arm and they do a bunch of things during the week to promote both the teams and it's just a win-win for everybody so no matter where Georgia Southern goes I think they're going to put their best foot forward and a, a big part of that is how many fans have consistently made that trip not only for the game but for the festivities and the the day or two leading up to it I think that that's really given Georgia Southern a uh, a bit of a mark especially amongst the Sunbelt uh, affiliated bowls of you know, Georgia Southern is a team that you wouldn't mind having come to your city and spend a few days.
1: No, certainly not. And I know anyone owning uh, any bar and grills or any taverns or any hole in the walls, I, I know they wouldn't mind uh, Georgia Southern, that fan base, coming to their town for a day or two. And, and Mike, again, the, that weather last year at the Camellia Bowl, that kind of, I think, hurt some of the attendance too. And it was still an electric atmosphere. I, I don't think I'd have a problem going back there um we would have to endure the uh god bless america random you know random playing of god bless america over the loudspeaker again in the most crucial moments of the game
0: yeah yeah that was i don't think you can i don't think you're allowed to call god bless america a buzzkill but it was uh it could have been timed a little better
1: yeah yeah that's a that's a politically correct way of putting it well well put mike um Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Georgia State. Mike, you want to? Oh yeah,
0: that'll be fun.
1: Uh, Georgia Southern whipped up on the Panthers 38-10 on Saturday um, in front of over 15 yeah, in front of over 15,000 fans. Georgia Southern, I-, I thought Mike put together a performance that was worthy of all the praise um, they've received so far after that performance. Um, obviously, you don't need to get too pumped up for a rivalry game. Um, But I think Georgia State, in classic Georgia State fashion, did that for Georgia Southern all their own. Um, Southern all year hasn't really been the type of team that's going to do a lot of talking uh, between plays, before games, uh, after games. Uh, They're more inclined to do some dancing than talking. Uh, But there are guys, um, you know, and I could just start with Jay Bowdry. There are guys um, that don't have any problem uh, answering some calls from Georgia State pregame when the Panthers decided to uh, mix it up with the Eagles at midfield. Um, Mike, did you think we've talked about this before? Did you think uh, you know real time five ten minutes into the game, Georgia Southern uh, starts off three and out, Georgia State three and out. Georgia State goes up 7 nothing. I still felt five minutes into this game that Georgia Southern was going to have its way. Um, and that hasn't been the case all year. You know, Usually we can tell right off the rip whether Georgia Southern isn't ready to play. I haven't seen them come out kind of as crisp and focused as they were on Saturday. Um, how did you think Georgia Southern started... Uh, this game as compared to every other game I think they started tremendously and never really let their foot off the gas
0: yeah I think that uh you know there there can be a lot of people complaining about how they start out some games which uh, especially offensively and in this game I think defensively too they kind of approach it like a like a title fight that they expected to go 15 rounds which often means that you just walk out to the center of the ring and you're not throwing haymakers. You're just kind of putting an arm out there. You're dancing around. You're trying to see what they plan on doing. And, you know, to Georgia Southern's detriment, that meant that, once again, they started off a little slow offensively. Uh, a couple of dives up the middle that I know a lot of people get tired of seeing early in games, but they're trying to see how uh, Georgia State was reacting to it. And then same thing with the defense. I think that, as we talked about last week, everybody knew that Dan Ellington couldn't move. Um, you know, I, I know that I was crying for it, uh, last week saying they just need to put the pressure on them. And yet they kind of came out and they did their same soft zone. Let's see what happens. I, I almost think now that I've had the benefit of reflecting on it over three or four days and seeing how they executed the rest of the game, I think that they might've just kind of set a trap, you know, play that soft zone, see what he actually can do. How bad can he hurt you? And once they saw how they drove down the field there to get that Opening score to go up on Southern. After that, they applied that pressure, and like you said, once they flipped that switch, both offensively and defensively, I didn't—I never got the feeling that Georgia State was going to find the extra gear necessary to get back into that game.
1: No, and they certainly didn't. And Mike, that's kind of the thing that that we have been hoping to see all year. I think against New Mexico State, um, there were glimpses of this, um, but in games like Maine. In games, and by the way, Maine finished at 6-6, six and six, Mike. That's the team that we thought could compete in the Sun Belt, right?
0: Uh, yeah, they uh, they strode a little bit.
1: Yeah, so let's put that to bed finally. 6-6, uh, six and six, Maine finished at. Uh, games against Maine, Coastal Carolina, um, Georgia Southern won, but we weren't too thrilled with how they played, right? And there were two ways to look at it. I've always said, uh, good football teams find ways to win games where they play when they play C plus when they play B minus. You're not going to come out and play A minus A plus football every week. In fact, you're probably only going to do that two or three times all season if you're lucky. You got to hope that those games come at the right time. Um, you know, I think of Coastal Carolina, Mike, and South Alabama for sure, and even Maine, really. Um, Georgia Southern found ways to win football games where they didn't play great, but this was a complete performance uh, on both sides of the ball. Scott Sloan uh, was sending pressure; it felt like every down, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like all-out pressure uh, like we saw at points in the Troy game, uh, like we saw at points in the Arkansas State game. Um, this was
0: picking his spots. He was getting pressure without sending everybody.
1: Right, and it, and it wasn't vanilla. It wasn't vanilla, right? It was, it was uh, targeted and, and specific what the goal was. And I think early, Mike, I mean, we were talking about it in the press box, you and I. Uh, how great was Georgia Southern defensively adjusting once they saw what Ellington did have? And I, by the way, I'm mighty, mighty impressed with Dan Ellington. I love the way this guy carries himself. Um, and I like the way that he gets pissed. When his team is getting their ass kicked, uh, too often I see guys that, and, and we call it composure, but really it's not caring and it's nonchalantness. Um, Dan Ellington is not nonchalant. He is not, uh, uh, you know, okay with getting beat up left and right. And that's exactly what Georgia State uh, was getting. They were getting beat up. Uh, he wasn't happy about it, obviously. Um, I think once Georgia Southern found that. Ellington had a little bit of mobility, um, not as much as he used to have, but some. Uh, early in that game, Mikey was uh, escaping the pocket. It felt like with relative ease, but that was shut down pretty quickly after the first three or four drives up until um, you know the final quarter where Georgia Southern did back off a little bit, understandably. Um, I think Scott Sloan deserves a lot of credit here. And for all the talk about Georgia Southern's secondary for all the talk about Georgia Southern not getting pressure on the quarterback. We kind of saw everything come together on that side of the ball, Mike. What did you think of the defense big picture, kind of the scheme, um, and the execution of that scheme and that strategy on Saturday?
0: I think that that entire, uh, I guess, second drive of the game where Georgia State was able to drive down the field, score that touchdown to go up 7 nothing early, I think that Sloan was able to learn a whole lot during that, Uh, drive, and once or twice during that drive, Ellington did try to run up in the pocket, but, you know, you said that he showed some mobility, but what I saw was a couple of plays where Dan Ellington from two months ago with a healthy knee would have shredded Georgia Southern for a 15 or 20-yard run because there was a linebacker who was on his heels, and he could have gotten him uh, uh, around the corner or made a move on him to to go up the middle of the field, and he couldn't. He, He just, you know, went to a into a slide and uh, took the two or three yards, and that was it. And I think that's what uh, uh, Coach Sloan saw because for the rest of the game, when they did send pressure, they weren't doing it to try to hit Ellington in the mouth. What they were doing was just kind of extending that pocket and then coming back around on the backside and collapsing it, meaning that he, if he wanted to run at all, had to go straight up in the pocket, which gets you closer to the line of scrimmage, which if you're Dan Ellington on a bad knee, means that you have to run for it yourself if you want to gain big yards or you've got to just get flat-footed and throw downfield because you have nowhere left to to really run for and there's people coming up behind you and I think that's what you saw with a lot of those pressures it wasn't that they were rolling them out one way and trying to make him run it wasn't that they were just absolutely ambushing the offensive line they were just making him move off the spot and making him move to spots where he wasn't going to be comfortable doing anything but throwing or running for a yard and when you get him into the third and Nine third 3rd, and 10 like they were so often, running for a yard isn't an option. So you ended up with their quarterback in a bad spot with bad angles throwing to covered receivers.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing that deserves credit, Mike, is for how often Ellington ran. He was sliding almost every play. Uh, kudos to Georgia Southern defensively, especially the linebacking unit, that never, ever got frustrated and laid a late hit on Ellington. It, it, it was easy a few times, Mike. They could have done some damage and only been penalized 15 yards uh, to Ellington. They didn't do that. Um, They stayed pretty disciplined, I thought. Um, And that's tough to do sometimes. It's a little frustrating when a quarterback uh, is right in your eyesight and then, you know, he just goes to the ground. That happens a couple of times. It's easy to see uh, defenders kind of get frustrated um, and lay a hit on on the guy regardless, you know.
0: Yeah, I know there's a lot of talk every year about how the the two main rivalries for Georgia Southern are different. You know, uh, Georgia Southern fans will talk about how the 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 rivalry with App State's a little bit more respect, whereas the the one with Georgia State was born out of people screaming at each other and some trash talking and a bunch of personal fouls in the first couple of games and all that. But I think when it comes down to it, yeah, there is a little bit more. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. There's a little extra. Uh, in terms of animosity and just outright not liking someone in the uh, Georgia Southern Georgia state rivalry. Whereas there's more of a, an earned respect in the app state Georgia Southern rivalry. But I think that it also comes down to the fact that all these guys on the field uh, for Georgia Southern Georgia state, all of them have gone through what it takes to get onto the field in FBS football. They realize what the other guy's going through and you're not going to take a shot at a guy that's hurt, especially one that's, the leader of his team, and I guarantee these Georgia Southern guys saw what Ellington was doing on one leg for two weeks, and while they're absolutely going to take advantage of the limitations, like they did with their blitzing and trying to, to corner him and make him ineffective, I think that they also had plenty of respect for him. No one was going to take a shot at him just because his leg was hurt.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think that. I'm just saying, like, it's easy to see that every now and then. I don't think it would have been anything on purpose, but... And it's
0: one thing when it's a fully mobile quarterback who's getting around you time after time and then going down to avoid a hit. But everybody knew what the deal was with Ellington, and he was just doing everything he could to keep a play alive and then keep himself alive. So, yeah, I don't think anybody was going to get frustrated and take a shot at him.
1: All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannanow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter and this is how you do it. Go to savannanow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click Get Our Newsletters, and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, Mike, some of the keys for me to the game... Um, we can get to in just a second, but I I wanted to touch on a couple of uh, key stats that I thought really shaped the outcome of the game. Georgia State is still, uh, as we record this Tuesday night, still the number one team in the conference uh, in terms of third down conversions. Uh, That didn't happen on Saturday. They started three or four, Georgia State did, on third downs. Uh, They were one for their next 10, one for their final 10 on third downs, um, did convert two of two on fourth downs, but um, I think the first one was early and the second one was sort of meaningless. Uh, Georgia Southern was excellent on third down defensively, I thought, against um, Georgia State, who, was world, who were world beaters uh, on that down, on the money down. Um, and then by contrast, Mike, something that obviously you and I have touched on a bunch, uh, Georgia Southern two for eight on third downs, that's not a... Um, you know, excellent percentage. But what it is, is awesome to see only eight third downs. Georgia Southern... Yeah, Smith, I don't know
0: if you have it on your list uh, for these talking points, but I know that you were making a mention of how efficient they were on the first downs.
1: I mean, they were they, they were awesome. And it was, it was like what you wanted to see from the option offense. This was prototypical. I mean, this was exactly what we had hoped for. Um, two for eight, if you're only having eight, Third downs, uh, and you snap you snap the ball 57 times offensively, and you only are faced with eight third downs. That's a okay. Now Georgia Southern was 0 for three on third downs that were nine plus yards, but they're almost always going to be pretty bad for you know when you're talking about over nine yards on third down. Uh, I, I thought what I've always liked to see from this offense is to have the ability to gain first downs. On first down and they did that uh, seven times on Saturday seven first downs came on first down uh, when you don't have to worry about uh, third and long or third down at all it becomes much easier to put together those 8 9 10 11 12 play scoring drives and that's exactly what Georgia Southern did when they arrived in the red zone Mike they were perfect again they were 4, four for 4 scoring in the red zone um, T-Bass with his 51st career field goal, that puts him alone in second place all time in Georgia Southern history. I don't think he's catching Adrian Morris 57. Uh, if so, then he will be the MVP of all bowl games, not just the bowl game that Georgia Southern plays in. Um, but yeah, Mike, I, I thought... Saturday's probably still going too. Yeah, he took out... Yeah, I thought... Ty, Bass took, took out some frustration on that.
0: That was up or else some Field of Dreams kids would be in peril.
1: (laughs) And we, yeah, we hate to see that. It's all for the kids. Um, Mike, how good was Georgia Southern's best player? Were Georgia Southern's best players on Saturday? That was my kind of lead for my game story was that in one of the biggest games of the season, whether you like it or not, this was a gigantic game for for Georgia Southern. Uh, The best players played their best. And that was awesome to see shy Wirtz, Uh, I am so excited to see this guy play next season. Mike, uh, is really coming along. Um, I think he's now up to 226 consecutive passes with, uh, out being picked off. He was seven for 10 on Saturday. Mike, one of those included a DA big play drop, um, which are rare. Uh, that same play they hit on last year against Georgia state was there again. Uh, Wurtz had him. I thought it was a pretty good throw. Underthrew him maybe a little bit, but it hit. Oh, it hit him right in the hands. Hit D.A. big play right in the hands, So, but we're going to let that one.
0: Much like Bass's field goal, uh, if that one would have been caught, D.A. could still be running right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that, to me, Mike, uh, Wurtz's ability to kind of throw all these different sorts of passes. Um, early on in the game, there was a, a crossing route to Caleb Hood that was put just perfectly I mean placed perfectly on Hood's numbers uh, right in between uh, you know the shoulder pads it was a great throw I thought um, so but one of the incompletions for Wirtz uh, was the DA big play drop another one was one that was slightly overthrown to Murray but it was a good throw put it in the only place he could I thought um, and then uh, another one was uh, a fairly poor throw but 7 of 10 for Wertz, Mike, and he just keeps chugging along, right? Uh, led this, led Georgia Southern to their first um, touchdown to make it 7-7 with that patented Wirtz leap at the goal line. Uh, I also love that. Um, and then, Mike, J.D. King was so good for Georgia Southern on Saturday. The numbers kind of bear it out, but I, I thought – Three touchdowns for J.D. King. Uh, that's awesome. But really, 16 carries for 107 yards. It could have been a. It could have been a lot worse, honestly. If Georgia Southern didn't make this thing so lopsided. Uh, 16 carries, 107 yards, three touchdowns for an average of 6.7 yards. Kennedy, 11 carries for 78 yards and a score. Wirtz, 15 carries, for 55 yards and a score. That's the kind of thing that Georgia Southern uh, should always be able to do is to be able to have three guys with, um, you know, 10 to 15 carries each uh, rattle off big yardage. uh, Or not big yardage. I mean, I think dependable yardage. Uh, We saw Kennedy in the Wildcat uh, early on in the game. That was a pretty big play. I think that was third down. That was a big play. uh, But, Mike, really, I I thought, what part of Georgia Southern what part of their team, uh, what unit didn't perform excellent on Saturday? Can you think of anything that I, I mean, the offensive line was brilliant. Uh, The defensive line without injured Raymond Johnson was, was excellent. I thought Uh, the linebackers were everywhere tackling Donald Rutledge uh, played his second consecutive really good game. I thought Um, everyone played well, Mike. and, And, you know, for all the games where where certain aspects just didn't show up for georgia southern boy this was not that was it i mean this was awesome to watch and it was nearly flawless
0: yeah so many times in the post-game press conferences we'll talk to you know one of the stars of the game and they'll say how you know the uh uh, they're all a team and how when the offense doesn't play play well the defense has to pick them up or vice versa but you're right no one had to pick anybody up it's what you know, Lunsford talked about it sometimes this year and a lot of coaches talk about complementary football. It was just a snowball effect. One one facet of the team did well, and that led right into the next and into the next. And, you know, by the middle of the third quarter, it was just uh, no hope really for Georgia State. And I will say that I, I think the most – the single most impressive thing of the entire uh, entire game was the way that they ended the first half and started the second. You know, you got – down 7 nothing early. They came back, tied it right away. They built it back out to a 17-7 lead. Made I know you commented on, seemed a little conservative for both teams at the end of the first half, but Georgia Southern did so knowing they'd get the ball back. And so many times this year, they've come out of halftime and kind of gone back into first quarter mode where they kind of feel you out, see what's going different. But this time, to me at least, they just went straight on the attack. They tore right down the field, one of their best drives, I think the entire season in terms of blocking, play calling, execution, uh, vision, running, all that, they go right down and make it 24 seven. And at that point, there was still way too much time to, to just kick back and wait for the win. But at that point, you really got the feeling that there was no way that Georgia Southern was going to lose that game.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I, I think, yeah, when they come out, they, I think it was a five play, two and a half minute drive. Uh, that, that sort of iced it for, for me. And, and, you saw, once again, Mike, when when they wanted to put the game away, the ball pretty much stayed in the hands of Shywerts, Wesley Kennedy, J.D. King. Um, and th- there's your recipe right there. That's your recipe for winning if you're Georgia Southern. They forced Georgia State into four three-and-outs, uh, and many of those came in the middle quarters, in the second and third quarter. In fact, uh, Georgia State had three consecutive three-and-outs uh the last two drives of the second quarter um and then the first drive of the third quarter then on their second drive of the third quarter georgia state uh turns the ball over on four downs um so four drives mike 13 plays for georgia state uh and they gain a whopping total of 21 yards that'll do yeah that'll do just fine uh And that was, I think that was Lane Ecton on fourth down, by the way, that stopped uh, Georgia State. A really questionable play call from Georgia State. Uh, Georgia Southern had nine men in the box on that third and one, and they ran up the middle. Obviously, that did not go well. I want to let you guys listen to – I thought this was awesome, Mike. Uh, Sean Elliott, um, after the game, the head coach for Georgia State, was asked uh, basically for his synopsis of the game. Uh, he was not very P.J. Fleck about it. In other words, he was honest about it. Um, in anti-P.J. Fleck fashion, Sean Elliott laid it out, about as cut and dry as you can get. Here's what the Georgia State coach had to say about his team's performance in Paulson Stadium on Saturday.
0: You know, it we just wasn't a good night uh, in all three phases of us. But, uh, you know, you learn from these things. You learn from the struggles. You learn from, from the, some of these mishaps. And, you know, we're, we're playing with a gutsy group of guys, you know, some of those guys out there that, you know, they shouldn't even be out there playing and, and they will themselves to go out there and, and, and try to give us a win. So uh, so I'm very, very proud of them. I'm not very proud of the, the, uh, the outcome, of course, but uh, like I said, we'll learn from these struggles and we'll push forward to be better.
1: All right, there you go. You hear Sean Elliott basically say they got their butts kicked up and down the field. Uh, that's accurate, Coach. I'm with you on that. I think that is about as true as it gets. Uh, Mike, unless you are... Uh, inclined to add anything else to Georgia State. I wanted to touch on the season as a whole um, and kind of how we'll view it, unless you want to hit on anything else from Georgia State.
0: Nah, I think we covered it all. Uh, Georgia State just wasn't nearly good enough, especially without their quarterback.
1: Yeah, they weren't. And uh, Georgia Southern just stifled Trey Barnett as well. Uh, The leading rusher in the Sun Belt Conference had 15 carries for 54 yards uh, and a score. He was bottled up really all game long, I thought. Um, Mike, you'll remember last year uh, you came on uh, when we were having you periodically on the show. uh, We talked about how last season felt like the close of a chapter um, and kind of whereas after a bowl game for some programs, uh, sometimes we'll look and say, this feels like the start of something, right? Last year, I think we can all be in agreement. That was the end of a chapter for Georgia Southern and a positive ending to what was largely a negative chapter. Uh, right now, Mike, seven and five, five and three, Georgia Southern, doesn't this feel like even, no matter the outcome in in whatever bowl game Georgia Southern plays in, with everything returning for Georgia Southern next year with I mean all over the field, they have key guys returning. Uh, this feels like to me kind of the start of 2020, uh, right? So we can put this seven and five, five and three kind of in its own little compartment. And then right now we'll start moving into 2020, at least the way it feels to me. Um, are, are you okay with that? Is that how it feels kind of to you that this kind of starts 2020 and what will be a season with higher expectations for Georgia Southern than I can ever remember?
0: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Uh, you know, of course, you want to go out and put a good showing forth in the the bowl game, and hopefully get another win, get that eighth win of the season. But you know, you're right. Last year it was all about uh, the seniors who, uh, you know, had to endure a coaching change, had to endure the worst season in Georgia Southern history, and then immediately the seniors bounce back and get them to one of the best turnarounds in college football history. So, yeah, it was a fitting end to that season. To to let it carry through the bowl and, uh and with that walk-off field goal. But yeah, for this year, there's so much coming back, you know, not to, not to downplay the contributions of the handful of seniors that will be graduating this year, but this is a team that's going to be locked and loaded for 2020 uh, with so many big playmakers back. So I really think that uh, Coach Lunsford talked about it a little bit in the post-game press conference after Georgia state saying how important it was not only to try to finish strong and to go out with a win to get some momentum in terms of uh, being in the right end of the win loss column, but also to be afforded the extra two two and a half weeks of uh, practice for the young guys because while they do have so much coming back, we've seen this year up close and personal, and quite frankly, all too often how quickly that depth chart can change with a bunch of injuries. So they should have a lot of uh, a lot of experience back, a lot of the. Uh, Uh, veteran guys on the 2-D, but this uh, next two weeks will be all about getting those red-shirted guys, the true freshmen, uh, all that, some more experience, get them to be a little bit more experienced as backups just in case they're the ones that get called up next season. And if all that goes well and they stay healthy, I think you're going to see a Georgia Southern team that's just locked and loaded for bear with a lot of guys who know how to win and are ready to do a lot more than seven wins and only being in the conversation mid-season for a, a conference championship. I think that uh, if everything goes well, especially if they get another win in a bowl game with some momentum, with everything they're bringing back, I, I don't think that uh, anybody can shy away from the fact that it's going to be conference championship or bust next year.
1: Yeah, and Mike, we'll obviously have plenty of time to kind of place this season, maybe in, in its proper historical context uh, once we're a little bit more removed from it. But is it fair to say that the way we view uh, this season and the way fans view this season right now uh, is unquestionably different than the way we will view this season uh, six months from now, 12 months from now, 24 months from now? Um, You know, 2018 at 10 and 3, the moment the Camellia Bowl ended, we viewed that season in a way that I feel like we still view the season the same exact way, right? Uh, right now, seven and five doesn't feel great. Uh, Lunsford said that repeatedly. Um, but I, I think we're going to look back at this season and say, uh, you know, this was a quality season for Georgia Southern. And And I know that rubs people the wrong way, maybe sometimes, but if you get what I'm getting at here, Mike, what Georgia Southern overcame, uh, off the field is one thing. But what they overcame on the field was this. Two teams uh in LSU and Minnesota who up until two weeks ago were both uh in the top eight in the country. There's two of your three losses. Uh I, I still think Louisiana's a better football team than Georgia Southern. I don't think that's a a bad loss. Uh you have uh so that's you know, four of your losses right there. Uh and then there was uh um Arkansas State and Troy, obviously, the, those were slip ups. Next season, I don't know outside of Boise State, uh, I, you know, I don't know that there's going to be too many guaranteed losses on the schedule. I, I don't think Boise State's even a guaranteed loss. I think at Ole Miss, you know, it's going to be tough. But it just feels like this right now, this season, is an excellent kind of starting point into 2020, whereas last year was, was I, I thought, unquestionably the close of a really positive um, ending uh, in a chapter of Georgia Southern football history that people previously probably wanted to forget. Um, do you think, Mike, that, that that any outcome in this bowl game, uh, and, and we'll wrap up here, but do you think any outcome in this bowl game sours uh this season and how we view it. I think if Georgia Southern comes out and gets their ass kicked, that's one thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't envision this bowl game really impacting the way we view uh, the 2019 season for Georgia Southern. What do you think about
0: that? Yeah, obviously you'd rather win than lose. And for sure. sing a little bit if, uh, if you don't come back with a win or another uh, trophy in that trophy case. But no, you're right for everything that they've overcome it would be pretty tough to look at one game at the very end and say that that made a big difference in uh, how you view the uh, entire season. Um, you know, with with what you said uh, alluding to next year um, and how things are shaking out. That that's part of the trickiness of college football is, you know, there's just so many moving pieces. Not only are you trying to to build up your team for as best as it can be at the given at any given moment. Because that's all you can do is play your best game at any given time, but there's also you know the the fact that teams change from year to year. It's not the pros; you can't just hold on to your best players once their eligibility's up, it's up. And uh, you know the same can go for the schedule. This year, Georgia Southern had as tough a schedule as it's ever had before. And next year, you know, no offense to uh, to Boise State, but you know it, it's not going to be as tough. They probably aren't going to face top ten teams. They get a team like App at home. Uh, Arkansas State's not on the schedule so you know going into this season I remember when you and I did the breakdown I thought it was the consensus that you know not guaranteed losses but there were probably five games at the beginning of the season that no doubt Georgia Southern was going to be the underdog in whereas next year you look at it and it's maybe one or two so yeah there's a lot to look forward to and uh to your original point I don't think that there's much that can happen uh in this final bowl game that's going to really reshape the narrative of the 2019 season, and that's mostly because of how far they've come. You know, for as disappointed as anyone wants to be about 7-5, and I get it. You know, there were definitely some games that they could have won where it could have been better, maybe even contend for a conference championship. But let's not also forget that at one point this team was, uh, you know, in South Alabama about to lose a game after a missed field goal in overtime yeah. had to rally to win it. And then right after that, they're a 1-3 and three team down to a 4th-and-5 and five in overtime once again in the pouring rain have to come out with a clutch uh, uh, touchdown just to prolong that game. So that's how close Georgia Southern was to kind of being out of it before the season even began. So to now be sitting at 7-and-5 with a good chance to win a bowl game, get that momentum, charge into 2020, you can say what you want about the you know total number of wins But you've got to call this a success, especially over the last two months.
1: Yeah, unquestionably. And what Lunsford and the coaching staff have been able to do, uh, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that they have literally glued this thing uh, together and kind of pieced it together week by week. Uh, They're recruiting right now, the coaching staff is. They'll get ready for a bowl game, um, likely coming December 21st or December 31st. Uh, And then after that, Nobody in the world deserves a vacation more uh, than this Georgia Southern coaching staff. Um, once they get their bowl bid, and then if they win that bowl game, they'll have a good chunk of bonus cash uh, to use on that vacation. So, uh, you know, I think this season has really been uh, remarkable and kind of uh, a lesson in patience and a lesson in knowing that. There are things you cannot control as a coach um, and you just kind of have to adapt on the fly. Something that Georgia Southern really didn't have to deal with too much in 2018. There was just not a lot of controversy. Um, also something that you know we really can't control, neither can the coaches. Uh, Mike, you good to leave it right there and tell the folks how to follow you and read your stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it with one final point that uh, I guess it's not the, uh, the Sun Belt's uh, prerogative or a uh, responsibility to know all the off the field things that go on but gotta say that Lunsford was robbed the coach of the year last year and he really should be this year for everything they've gone through and he won't be again it'll once again find its way to Louisiana or have to say because that's how they've uh, been dead set on doing it but that's fine and I think that Georgia Southern's fine with that. That's a little bit of sour grapes, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah, no, the winner, the winner of that title game. Yeah, the winner of that title game, that coach is the coach of the year. And the best player on that winning team is the player of the year for this conference. And I would bet anything on that uh, because that is the way this conference operates. Uh, They also operate in the manner where you uh, penalize and don't comment on uh, dancing in between quarters, but you clearly allow pregame uh, trash-talking at midfield uh, in the face of the opponent. Uh, you don't have any problems with that just so long as you're not dancing. I, I think the Sunbelt has made that very, very clear. Right, Mike? Oh, yeah, yeah. It is what it is. All right, how do we read your stuff, Mikey? All uh, right,
0: you can read me in the Statesboro Herald or on uh, statesboroherald.com. Uh, we'll have some videos coming out over the next couple of weeks. We'll uh, be wherever the Eagles end up for a bowl game. I'm thinking Orlando at this point, but I don't know. Maybe you're hearing different than I am but either way. We'll be there. So you can catch me in print online. And then on game days, you can catch me on Twitter at, at Herald GS sports.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm starting to get worried that it's Arizona, but more on that next week. I hope not, Mike. I hope not. Um, Find all of our stuff on Georgia Southern at savannahnow slash sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Jadon Sports SMN. Uh, that's where you can tweet angry tweets at me. Uh, you can also email me tjadon at savannahnow uh, And then I also want to encourage you guys to rate and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Only rated if you're going five stars, Mike. You know this. Um, I. I kind of want to give you guys a a quick rundown of what we'll have, though. Next week, uh, so this week, this will be the only episode. Next week, we will have um, a reaction early in the week to Georgia Southern's bowl announcement on Sunday, December 8th. Don't quite know what day we'll have that, but look for a Georgia Southern extra episode early in the week uh, to kind of get you guys prepared for that. Uh, And then later in the week, we will have our first kind of installment of looking at the opponent and hopefully have the opponent B-Rider on um, and all that jazz. The following week, we will have all of the coverage you need for early signing day. Um, First kind of full rotation for Lunsford and company uh, through this early signing period. Last year, uh, they hit on guys that have already started to make big contributions um, in a pair of tight ends, Chase Hancock, Bo Johnson, uh, as well as Caleb Hood. Who have already kind of, uh, you know, made their mark in Statesboro, um, AJ Watkins as well. So, uh, lots coming up for you guys. Uh, football season not over yet. Georgia Southern looking to cap uh, a trying season with a two-game winning streak. Uh, until then, we'll see you guys next week. And thank you guys for.
0: Peterson is taking care of things right now The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Now on the way!